0: Welcome to the New Birth Baptist Church Pulpit Podcast, a weekly service brought to you from the sanctuary of New Birth Baptist Church in Walnut Cove, North Carolina. We pray these messages and these sermons will be a help to you in your daily walk, and we look forward to you subscribing and coming back every day. May God bless you and have a wonderful day. Open up that Bible this morning. The Bible is not arranged in chronological order. The books of the Bible are arranged based on uh, subject matter basically, especially in the Old Testament. Even the New Testament is not in order of the way things happened and the events. So when you get to the end of the Old Testament, the chronological order is that first and second chronicles, and then Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther and Malachi, are the last few books in chronological order in the Old Testament. Um, That's what happened at the end of the captivity when Babylon took the nation of Israel and, and brought them in and was told about the 70 years captivity and now Daniel has foretold of many multiple 70 year episodes and we're in the 70th we're in the 69th week of his 70 year prophecy and it's important for us to know how things happened and when things happened so get your mind set and take yourself back to that old to that old time i try to do this when i read the bible i'll just sit there and i'll read something and i'm like what did it look like there What did it sound like there? Because it didn't look nothing like this. It didn't sound anything like this. And they wouldn't dress like this. And their hair didn't look like mine. And it didn't look like yours. And their skin didn't look like yours and mine. So take yourself back to this old time when the nation of Israel is now coming out of this captivity. Babylon came in and absolutely obliterated Jerusalem. Tore it down, tore the sanctuary up, tore the temple up, tore the wall down. Everything was just in in shambles. Nothing left standing. And we see the burden of the people trying to get back to normal, but they are really without a leader. You need a leader. You need somebody that's going to step up. You need somebody that is going to take the reins. You need somebody that is going to say, I'm going to do it. And folks, I just described to you today us in a sense, in a spiritual manner. Not in a physical manner. This church is standing. It looks good. The walls are up. The parking lot, it could use some work. We're working on that. Your clothes are nice. You're warm. You're comfortable. You don't feel like necessarily that you're just coming out of captivity, but We just came out of captivity this morning, didn't we? Think about that. Spiritually speaking, the Bible tells us so much about what was, but what's going to be for us. And I believe right now, we're coming out of a little bit of captivity. We're moving towards a rebuilding time, not a tearing down time. We're moving towards a time that we've got to do and not watch. We're moving to a time when people are going to have to, to step up. Now, I'm going to ask this this morning, and I want you to pay close attention to this because this is one of the roots of the problem of the world that we're living in today. I want all the men to stand up. Where are they all at? The men of the Bible are who led, are who stepped up, who decided that what they were fighting for was worth it. And that they had a family, they had a country, they had a people, and they had a God that they should want to serve. But look around. I'm not angry. I'm sad. Now you can sit down. Now I want the women to stand up. Men don't ever undermine the woman in the church because they're here and they're working. Now I'm not saying that the men are not, but I'm telling you men, we've got to take it up a notch. We can't wait any longer. Our families are being destroyed. Our homes are being torn down by the Babylon of this world. They're taking our country. They're taking our people. They're taking our freedoms they're taking our joy. They're taking it all. Are we just going to watch it happen and hope somebody else does it? No. I sure hope not. You can sit down. A lot of you may know Travis Howard this morning and I know God's been building his message and every single encounter that I've had this week. And it's going a different way than I really thought it would, but it's right. He put up a post this morning. I don't know, Some of, did anybody follow him on Facebook, Travis Howard, pastor at New Hope, five minutes down the road? Uh, it, sometimes it's, I'll just say it, Travis, sometimes it is hard because he's pretty point blank. And he lays it right out. This morning, he said that if you choose to not walk through the doors of the church this morning, you just voted to close it. I mean, it's either important or it's not. It's either a priority or it's not. Folks, there is no longer any in-between about serving the Lord. Either you do or you don't. Either you want to or you don't want to. And you're saying, how do we do this? And in the midst of all that we're doing, in the midst of all the things that we have to do in this life, to be here, to be there, to do this, to do that, to pay this, to pay that, how, some of you are asking. Well, the simple answer is that you just believe. And that you have faith that when you step up, when I step up, when you step up, when we all step up, that God's just going to be there. He never. He said he would never leave. So this morning, I want you to see a man, one man. Now I had to. I had to, to to shorten this, otherwise we'd be thumbing. I'd be thumbing through scriptures right and left this morning, Pat. So I had to just copy and paste a bunch into a to a list that I may go to. But we got one more group of people that's got to stand up. Kids, Merrily, she's already standing up. Ryder, step out in the aisle there, buddy. Jack, stand up. Riley, stand up. Now, where is all them? You know, kids can't get to church unless they are brought. So it's not their fault. But this, you're looking at the people. That will be standing right here one day. That will be taking care of you one day. That will be running for office one day. That will be working in the doctor's office one day. That will be standing for either what's right or what's wrong one day. Now are we leading them and showing them what they're supposed to do? I'll leave the answer to that to you. Y'all can sit down. I want to read a story to you this morning. Don't know the author. In fact, it said the author is unknown. Like I said, this whole thing's been building. I want want you to get the mindset before I read this story that it doesn't take much to change everything. You hear me? It doesn't take much to change everything. This woman writes, when I was a high school sophomore decades ago, my world history teacher was Miss Holloway. But we all called her Granny Holloway. You all know, you all had names for y'all's teachers too. She was a slight woman, scarcely five feet tall, seemingly fragile. You know those kind of women too, don't you? You all remember Granny Clampett? But full of vinegar, you know the type. She could speak for hours about the fall of the Roman Empire, the Inquisition, the Industrial Revolution, and the World Wars. Those things ought to spark a little bit of memory in you that you read about them. She never sat while she lectured, never stood at a lectern, but moved around the room making eye contact with all of her students. She was demanding, and I can't remember how many papers were sent back to me because she put a note on it saying you can do better. One day during class, an office aide interrupted her lecture to hand her a note. She read it silently, apologized, said she was uh, needed to leave the room. We knew it had to be important because Granny Holloway stopped lectures for no one. We sat in the room talking to one another when the door opened and in walked Miss Abels, another teacher in our high school. She explained to us that Granny had been faced with an emergency, a serious one, and it was even questionable if she would even be returning to finish out the semester. We were stunned. Would we get a chance to tell her goodbye? Would we get updates so we so would we know that she's okay? Miss Abels assured us that we need not worry that Granny was safe but needed time away and that the best thing we could do for her and the best way we could show her our devotion to her was to be cooperative with her replacement. You know, the substitute teacher comes in and the, cra- the crowd goes wild. Miss Abels confirmed that she had asked have been asked and agreed to step in as her replacement. Now listen from here on out. Cheer up, she told us. This could be a good thing. Other teachers still believe in endless homework and projects with deadlines and hard work. Now Riley and Jack will get a little bit of this. Homework. Anybody? Y'all get homework? You don't like it, do you? And it says, this woman said, other teachers still believed in that endless homework and projects with deadlines and hard work. She would not bring that into this class. She believed in clean slates. If there were grades that we did not like, she could give us a chance to bring them up. This is the new teacher that's coming in. She asked us about what suggestions we had to make the semester a better learning experience. Someone mentioned that lectures were boring and we wanted more films. Films, we don't watch films anymore. Done, she said. Someone else mentioned that a free day now and then would help us if we needed to catch up on work in other, in other classes. She didn't see a problem with that. She asked us how we felt about an end-of-semester party. Yeah, sounded very good to us and on and on and on. Ms. Abels listened intently and agreed to all our suggestions, continually emphasizing that her concern was that we have a good learning experience and enjoy the semester. She also reminded us that we were lucky to not be sent to other classes where we will be working to catch up, and that, of course, this was all for Granny." You getting, you hearing this? What just happened in that classroom? Near the end of the period, shortly before the bell rang, the door opened and Granny walked in. With her usual Granny Holloway attitude, looks at the teacher and says, "'How did they do?' she asked. "'Marvelous,' said Miss Abels. "'They were completely in my hands.'" In a matter of a day, that teacher came in and changed the attitude, the atmosphere, the angle, and the purpose of that class. Granny then faced us and said, and that, my students, is how a dictator takes over a nation. Not with guns or tanks or laws or mandates. They do it using a poster child and promises and gifts and protection from an enemy. I can't remember a lesson all through my 12 years of public school that made such an impression on me and stayed with me. We are among wolves in sheep clothing. Many are being deceived with a false light. I was falling for it myself until the Lord opened my eyes and my ears to hear. Stay awake and buckle up. Put on the whole armor of God. We are going to need in the the days to come. No man is going to save the world. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the light. That's how quick. Melvin tells me all the time, a church is one pastor away from destruction. One country is one leader away from a total change. One family is one absent parent away from destruction. Just like this. The people of Israel were warned time and time and time and time again. It's coming. The enemy is at the door. They are coming. And they're not going to let up. And I hope you're listening this morning. Because that's what happened to the nation of Israel. And if we don't be careful, it's going to happen to us. So what what fixed this? What, what bolstered this to not happen? What, what did God do? What did the people do? What happened? Well, a man named Nehemiah steps up. Chapter number one, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeli. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, which is about November, December, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani... One of my brethren came, he and certain men of Judah, and asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Now I want you to plug in spiritually. When we start talking about the remnant, when we start talking about those that escaped, those that were left, and Jerusalem, I want you to think of us spiritually speaking when you hear those words and those names. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. That's you. That's me. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. The, the, the protective barrier that, that they looked to was crumbling before their eyes. And it came to pass when I heard these words, men, listen to this, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned, certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven." Nehemiah was torn, beat up about what was happening to his family, to his people, to his country, and to the world, and said, "'I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe the commandments.'" He says, "'Let thine ear now be attentive, now, folks, you, most people get up here, and might read it, and just be, be monotone. But I believe that Nehemiah is not—he's he, not quiet. He said, "Let thine ear na- now be attentive, and thine eyes open. Thine house here mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we, he says, he didn't leave himself out, have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Daddies, have you ever said that prayer?" Men, have you ever gotten so low, so burdened, so beat down by what's going on around you and what's happening to your family that you have got on your face and asked God to please listen? Nehemiah goes on to say, We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments Thou commandest thy servant Moses, neither have we. He says remember god i beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant moses saying if we transgress i will scatter you abroad among the nations but if we turn unto me if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them thou there were thou uh, of the you, you cast out into the uttermost parts of, the, of heaven yet will i gather them from thee and will bring them unto the place that i have chosen to set my name there now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand o lord i beseech thee let thine ear now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servants and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper i pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for i was in i was the king's cupbearer this man put himself in a place to mourn for the people, to not sit back and throw his feet up, to not relax, to not say it's somebody else's job. He saw the plight of the people. He saw the ways of the people. He saw the distress of the people and he said, God, we need your help. And he did it day and night. Folks, we can't do it for five minutes. And we wonder where God is. Mike Huckabee was asked that question in an interview several years ago about Hurricane Katrina and all the natural disasters that were taking place. And, of course, some liberal anchor looks at him and says, where is your God? And he says, well, he says I'll tell you where he's at. We kicked him out of our government. We kicked him out of our schools. We don't want his word there anymore, and the church house is not full. God hasn't gone anywhere. It's us that kicked him out. And us not getting in touch with him like Nehemiah is doing is just as bad as kicking him out. You're just acknowledging you're okay without him, but you're not. We're not. Now the story of this, Ezra and the book of Nehemiah really go together. In the book of Ezra, we have the rebuilding of the temple. And Ezra steps up to to lead that that push. Get to my little area here. In the book of Ezra, chapter number 7, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Verse number 28, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened. He Ezra built and, and, and bolstered the people. And he says, I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. I gathered together out of Israel, chief me to go up with me. Chapter 8, verse 21, then I proclaimed the fire. This is Ezra there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of Him a right way for us and for what? Our little ones and for our substance. The men of the Bible are stepping up. Verse 31 of chapter 8. from the river of Ahab on the twelfth day of the first month to go into Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and He delivered us from the hand of the enemy, and of such as lay in wait by the way. I could go on. I mean, I've got pages of 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 Ezra notes. But the most important one is this. Chapter 9, verse number 8. Listen closely. And now for a little space grace has been shown from the lord our god to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our god may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage folks that just gives me that chills are just running all over me right now because i believe that's just as true today as it was then that we have been given a little space We've been given a time, as in the book of Esther, as such as this, that we can do something about what's wrong. Now, I know you're sitting out there saying, we can't fight this bunch. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to ask him. We can't do this. But with him, the Bible says we can do it all. But we've kicked him out. When I say we've kicked him out, we're not seeking him. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and what? Seek. What does that mean? That doesn't mean sit and wait. It means to go, to go after him. Folks, when you want something bad enough, you'll do anything in your power to go get it. We're trying to buy a car. God help us and we're going to make every effort to do what needs to be done to take care of our family. And if I can go after a car with diligence in my money, surely I can go after God. Surely I can seek Him more than I can seek any material thing that I I have in my life. Because the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights. It's not on my power. It's not on my way. It's not on my account. It's on His. And we got to quit being like the church at Laodicea and saying, everything's all right. Folks, it's not all right. It is not all right. Just as that story was told about that woman walking out, and another woman coming in, it was all planned, you know that. I mean, it was a it was a skit to prove a point. And I could do that here, and I don't know, you, if I did it here, you might like the next one that comes in. Better than you like me, but you better like him because he loves God. Not because you like what he gives you, what he says to you, what he wants you to just just get become lackadaisical about. The theme verse is over in chapter number 2. Verse number 17 of Maya chapter number 2. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that you, we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may may be no more a reproach. And he says, Then I told them, this is Nehemiah looking at the men, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, they said, let us rise up and build. The message is today about building strength. The last part of that verse says, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. How? Well, it wasn't by going to the weight room. The Bible says it has not much profit of exercising for the body. That don't give you no excuse to not. Still need to work on this body, Lord, I do too. But I want you to know what we're talking about here is that, yes, we are in distress, There has been destruction and desolation, but now there has to be a desire for the divine. Do you get all those Ds? I'll repeat it. Yes, we are in distress. There is destruction and desolation. You're saying it's not that bad. Oh, yes, it is. The devil's pulling the veil over your face if you don't think it's desolation and destruction out there spiritually. No, our houses are standing, our churches are standing. The buildings, the material things that we think are the security things are really false idols to us. Because they mean nothing without the people. And the people are the spiritual aspects of this fight. Yes, the people are in distress. The people see the spiritual destruction. They see the spiritual desolation. But they have also got to develop a spiritual desire for the divine. Not this world. Being a friend with this world is enmity with God. Enemy. And the more we marry up to it, the worse it's going to get. But it says that they said, let us, not me, not you, but us, let us rise up and build. Build what? Build our spiritual foundation back up. We don't need to do much to this church. This church is standing and been standing for what, 77, 78 years now? How many in here helped build it? Not a single one. Somebody came before us and laid a foundation. Somebody came before us and made choices and decisions about planting a church here, building this church here. Men of God stepped up in their community and said, we need this, and we need it right here. And then they went five miles down the road and said, we need another one right here. Then they went five miles down the road and said, we need another one right here. Church planting all over the place. Now, a lot of it had to do with travel issues. But now, you ain't got no excuse. If you can drive 85 down I-40 to the coast, you can drive 55 down Dennis Road to get to church. The building is here. The structure is here. The, the, The administration is here. The oversight is here. You hear me? I mean, all the things that we, quote, I guess, need are right here. But what do we truly need? We gotta set this place back on fire, and I'm glad Jesse ain't here. Y'all remember that story? The church was on fire up in Mount Airy. And I called him and asked him if he knew that church. He said, Yeah, and I said, Well, man, it's on fire. And he said, Praise God. And I said, No, I said, No, Jesse. It's really on fire. I mean, he thought spiritually. And I was like, but that but that spoke so much. Jesse was thinking right. He was thinking like we ought to be. I mean, he was ready to th- just praise God that the church was on fire spiritually. But you know that building burned down, burned up everything probably that they had, maybe some Bibles, uh, they always survived somehow and hymn books survived. That church didn't fall because the people didn't fall. The building will go back up. And many times, if it's an old building, it goes back up better than it was before. So we don't have a building problem physically. We don't have a material problem. we got a spiritual problem. And folks, I, I, guys, I hate to lay it in your lap, but God just laid it in ours. The men have got to step up. Now some of you may say, well, I've pulled my time. You're, you're not dead yet. You say, it's somebody else's turn. Nope. If you're a child of the king, you have a job to do. Nobody else is to do but yours. I'm, I'm going to try to do mine, and I'm failing at it every day. There's so much more that I know that I should be doing. Some of you w- may wonder where I'm at sometimes. Why I haven't called you? Why I haven't come to see you? Why I haven't done this? Why I haven't done that? Me too. Because I'm fighting just as big of a spiritual battle as anybody else about what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be doing it. And I have no excuse. And the Bible even says that we as believers, we as people in the book of Romans, because of what we see in front of us, all of God's creation, all that he's given us in his word, all that he's given us in everything, we have no excuse but to believe he's there. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And that means everyone. Now, I don't know about you, But if I've been called to rise up and build, and I don't, it's going to be a terrible day at the judgment seat of Christ for me. Now I'm thankful I'm with Him, and I'm thankful that I'm saved. But folks, it goes beyond that. Salvation is just the beginning of your life with Christ. It is just the door opening, getting you into the fold, that you can now be a servant of Christ, not just a person saved by Christ. We, we somehow hit a roadblock on that day. Well, it may, it may last a little while. We're on fire. We're telling everybody, hey, I, I went to the altar today. I asked Jesus to save me. He saved my soul. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer a child of the devil. I'm a child of the king. I'm going to heaven one day. And you're rejoicing and you're happy. And it's all wonderful and good. And that's good. But now what? That's just your ticket. Now we got to do the rest. I've got some scriptures for you that may be a help to help you see some of these things. How do we find strength in distress? Nehemiah chapter 7. I read it before. Verse 28. And hath extended mercy unto me before the king and counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. we got to ask for help, folks. Do you honestly think that Ezra just... That God just sort of smacked him around a little bit and said, here am I? No. Ezra went after him. And he knew that the hand of God. I'm asking you a question today. Do you know right now, men, women, all, do you know that the hand of God is on you right now? Do you feel it? And yes, you can feel these things. But do you have a tug? Do you have a desire? Do you have a pull to now be strengthened in the power of God and not in this world? Do you have an urge? Guess what folks, all of those words I just used is the power of the Holy Spirit trying to work in you. Trying to convince you, trying to strengthen you in the middle of your desire in the middle of your distress. Folks, there's not a single person sitting in here, young and old, that has never been in distress. Riley and Ryder have been sick. Marilee has been sick. Jack has been sick. The kids have been in distress, but they really don't know distress yet. But they're getting a taste of it just physically. And they may get a little taste of it emotionally sometimes. Now, I know Riley, your mom and daddy's here. Ryder, your mom and daddy's here. They don't always get along, and that's okay. But what's powerful is that they are still together and that they're relying on the power of God to strengthen their home and not their physical needs. Right? Are you listening to me, buddy? Your mom and daddy love you, and they're going to do everything they possibly can for you. And I'm looking at both of them saying they got to raise up, and they got to want God in their home. But they're not always going to get along. We don't always get along. Does anybody here always get along with everybody? Lord, I want to know you. So in distress, marriages get in distress, relationships get in distress, churches get in distress, families get in distress, the government, a country, a world gets in distress and the only answer to that distress is the strengthening hand of the Lord my God. Nothing else. And I just read Nehemiah two seventeen about relying on God to be the strength. And verse nineteen, um, not, not, uh, verse eighteen, saying that they were strengthened their hands for the work. Gosh, my throat. So now we know how to get uh, strength in distress. But how about in destruction? We read verse several verses in the beginning. He talked about the affliction, the reproach. That the wall was broken down, the gates were burned. And uh, try to symbolize that into your spiritual life. About where is your spiritual life right now? How do we find strength in the destruction of our spiritual life? Have you ever wavered in your faith? Have you ever doubted? Have you ever wondered what it's all about? Have you ever wondered, well, this this, this is for no good? Have you ever said these statements? Sure you have. That is destruction and desolation, spiritually speaking. And folks, we're in the middle of a spiritual drought in this nation. And this church is not exempt. So we've got to find strength. How did he find strength? Well, he called on the people and listened to what Nehemiah did in verse number 4, men. This is how we find strength and destruction and desolation spiritually. And it came to pass when I heard these words. What words? About the destruction that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. But what do we do a lot of times? We sit down and throw our hands up. There's no use. We can't fight. We can't win. We can't do this. Well, you're exactly right. You can't. But if you get down on your knees... And you weep and you mourn. And it says days, folks, this ain't for just five minutes and you get up and go to, go to dinner and call it done. This ain't that you bow your head for 10 or 15 minutes and pray with your family and then you get up and go turn the ball game on you're shouting and screaming and just having a good time. No. This is a time where you, you mourn for days. The Bible even says that it's better to be in the house of mourning. Why? Because God's near when you got everything going right you're like hey everything's good you don't i mean you don't talk to god as much just admit and then when the bad time comes it's almost like we don't know how to get in touch with Him. so in strength and desolation and destruction it's prayer time folks it's morning time and i'm not talking a.m. i'm talking m o u r n i n g crying weeping And then there's another one. Well, Those are the distresses and the destruction and the desolation. So now how do we find a strength and desire? Verse number 11 of Nehemiah chapter 1. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servants. See, it's not just one, it's all. And to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee. How do we find strength and desire? We fear the Lord. I'm just going to put this out there. You can sin all you want to before me, and it ain't going to make a hill of beans. One before the Lord grieves his heart. One. He says if we have transgressed against one, we've transgressed against all, meaning we just thumbed our nose at the cross. Jesus died for that sin. He died for all that we have done. There's no fear for the name of God anymore. There's no fear that he'll do anything anymore. People think that he's gone dormant. No, nah, he's working. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 5, he said, I'm working a work, Habakkuk, that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. So God's never idle. He's always working. He's always there. Read the book of Ezekiel and you'll see some majestic visions that, that Ezekiel had a, of a, what we call the heavenly holy vehicle. Uh, it's got four wheels. I mean, it's got lights. I mean, it's got it all. And it's a picture of God where he's always been, and that's in control. So how do we find desire? We've got to have respect for the God that saved our soul and is keeping us now. Some of you may have listened to this morning's morning thought, but Matthew Henry said something about death, that that God is always right there, maybe even holding us back from death when death is right at our doorstep. And he's working even in our death to make that profitable. There's nothing that God is doing that is unprofitable. Even our dying state, even our death is profitable to him, but we've got to fear him. Matthew Henry said this, Let it never be said that we left that good work to be done tomorrow, which we might as well have done today. Folks, tomorrow's too late. Just as this lady walked into this classroom and in a matter of minutes completely changed everything about that classroom by doing what? By allowing the people to decide what was best. Folks, we got to flip that. We got to let God decide what's best. And right now, he's told us that it's time to rise and build. God just shut me down. It's time to rise and build let the world tear itself apart all it once. it's doing it right now it's ripping itself apart at the seams now my comfort in that is that god said that that this earth would pass away he said it would happen and i believe right now we're watching it just as an old person ages things start diminishing Go read over in the book of Ecclesiastes where he says the grinders quit. Yep, talking about grandma. Now she said it, I didn't. That says the man becomes humped and slumped. He doesn't have the strength anymore. He looks at the window and it's, and it's dim because his eyes are growing bad. But one of the... Sorry, God woke it back up. Time out. Just listen to this. This is is where we are, folks. Now if I can find it. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. He says, you better take advantage of what you got right now. He says, in the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble, old age kicks in, and the strong man shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out the windows be darkened because their eyes are grown bad, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low because he can't hear. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall not flourish, and the grasshopper shall, not, shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. At the very end of this, I, I, I'm doing a study in this, and I'm just going to tell you where it is right now. The answer to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What did I just tell you to do about finding desire? What do you got to do? I hope you're listening. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God is working. Now, what about us? He didn't call you to sit. He called us to go. Go ye into the highways and the hedges, and what? Compel. To Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, the uttermost parts of the earth, he says, go. We're there now. We're in India. Folks, we got to go right down the street to rise and build. I will say this, and to close... You're saying, well, I can't get people in church not asking you to because God said He would add to the church daily. Why? Because we were obedient and went. Not because they wanted to, but because we went, they'll come. I've had people come into this church that I didn't know, didn't invite, but I went the week before and invited two or three people and they didn't come. God gave the increase despite And he'll do the same with us. Men, women, young and old, all of us. It's time. Don't wait till tomorrow, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Father, we bow before you this morning. God, I thank you. Lord, help our people, help our country. God, I ask you to put a hedge about the Ukraine. No, they haven't made all the right choices. No, they are not all Christian, but there there are many, many believers in that country that are in distress. Father, some are trying to get out. Lord, I ask you to just just be God and do, but also know what your word says. Your long-suffering day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. My, our time is not your time. Our ways are not your ways. So, Father, help us to believe. Lord, help thou my unbelief. Lord, I pray for all those that are here today that the message struck a nerve, that their ears are open, their eyes are open, their mind is more attentive to where you are and what you're doing and what you want us to do. Uh, You haven't changed, and the way that you deal with us has not changed. It's just a different century. Even Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity and vexation of spirit, he says. Father, help us to know that there's nothing, nothing that you can't do if we'll just do our part. Lord, help us to walk and talk in your way. Lead somebody to your side right now. Lord, help people to commit in their minds and souls right now that it's time to serve. It's time to do. Starting with me. Save some lost sinner somewhere this morning. We'll give you all the praise for it's in Christ's precious and sweet name that we pray. Amen. Amen.